Hello and welcome to the Drums Leadership Lessons, a podcast that aims to speak to advertising and media professionals from all around the world and find out how they view their management and aim to motivate the people they work with and find out a bit more about the leaders that they have learned from and looked up to. I am Stephen Leptak, editor of The Drum and your host for this series. Hello and welcome to the, the latest episode of the Drums Leadership Lessons. I'm Stephen Leptak, editor of The Drum, and I am joined by Annette King, the Chief Executive of Publicist Group UK and the Chair of the Creatist and Creative Industries Trade and Investment Board here in London. Annette, welcome. Thank you. Very, very glad to be here. Uh, thank you for hosting me here in your offices. Um, we're going to talk about your leadership style yep. and your experiences of leadership. And I'd like to start by asking you, what does the word leadership mean to you? Well, I mean, it means, it means so many things, but I think that at its very core, it means that the people that work with you are relying on you to have a plan and for you to be really clear with them about what role they can play in helping to deliver that plan. So at its core, I think that's what, what leadership is. But I think it's also about then trusting people, making sure you've got the right people around and then trusting them to do their part um, and taking responsibility, not just for the business results, obviously people in leadership positions will have hardcore business KPIs, but also taking responsibility for how you go about doing that and how um, the people in your team feel about working where they, where they work. Mm-hmm. Um, so really making that as an important part of it, caring about the people yeah. as delivering the business results. Do you consider yourself, do you think of yourself as a leader or is that something you actually do think about each day when you come to work? Um, I'm not sure that I consciously think about it every day, but I've given it a lot of thought over the years. Um, I first became a CEO in 2008, so, um, and obviously have various other jobs leading up to that. But So I've been sort of doing it for quite some time and I've learned a lot along the way. Um, but I think you need to be conscious always that you people are looking either at you or up to you um, for direction and for the sort of, um, you know, a signal of how things are going. So you do have to think, I was, I was taught that a very long time ago, that the minute you kind of walk out of the lift, when you get to work in the morning, people are looking at you to see, are you, are you looking confident? Are you happy? Are you, you know, moping around? Are you, you, know, you have to be conscious that if you're in these positions, people rely on sort of gauging how things are going by how you're behaving. That sounds like a lot of pressure, though. Ah, you get used to it. Right, okay. I think you have to think about it quite a lot when you first get into one of those positions, oh. um, one of these types of positions, and then I think it starts to just come more naturally. Right. So, in the history of leadership, is there anyone you look up to or is there anyone you've worked with in your career that you think, uh, you think back on and you've taken an awful lot away from? Yeah, there's been, um, I've learned loads from loads of different people, but if I have to sort of boil it down to, um, to you know, a few, I would start with a lady called Amy Rubenstein, who I worked for when I lived in New York um, in the late 90s. Um, she was my boss uh, when I was there. And she just really taught me, in a way, she taught me how to be a New Yorker. Um, but what that meant was to be braver, to be more confident, um, and to generally kind of take on the belief that any of us can do anything if we really want to and if we try hard enough. Mm-hmm. So she taught me that. She taught me loads of other stuff, but she, that's the thing I remember of my 
my few years of working for her. And then the next one would have to be Shelley Lazarus, mm -hmm. who clearly has made a huge impact on not just the company I worked for, but this industry at large, and set a wonderful example, particularly to senior female leaders. Mm -hmm. um, but the thing I always remember about Shelley is that she, um, she was also always very clear that she never missed a sports day, and she had three children. Mm -hmm. And whenever you've got one of those dilemmas of like, oh no, I'm supposed to be at the meeting, but it's the school play or the sports day or whatever, I, she pops into my mind and most of the time I put the sports day first. Mm -hmm. So that was an important balance thing because she's one of the most successful leaders in this, that this industry has known, mm -hmm. yet she balanced that with not, not you know, not uh, deprioritizing taking part in important parts of her kids' lives. So she's the second one. Um, the, uh, the third one would have to be Paul O'Donnell, who I worked for for 17 years. You work for anyone for 17 years, you're going to learn a lot from them. And he and I were, are quite different characters and we do things quite differently. And that's been, that was great in terms of just learning things that I probably wouldn't have come up with on my own. And then I have to make my fourth one, Artur Sadun who uh, is the reason I came to work here, um, because I wanted to work for him. Um, and I've been here just over a year, and I'm learning a lot from him too. So, I mean, he's got this energy and sort of bandwidth uh, that is just so impressive, and I, I, take, I take inspiration from that. But I'm also learning, because this is quite a different role, I'm across all sorts of capabilities, from creative to media to sapient to health. Um, and that's, that's been new for me. Um, and he's obviously got a much bigger version of that job at group level, so I'm learning a lot from him uh, on that front too. I wanted to talk about your experience of working in America and the comparison of working here as well in the UK. Do you have to change how you, how you lead? What, what is the difference um, between the two, would you say? I wouldn't change how I would lead here versus the US. I mean, when I worked there, I was, um, I was not a senior. I mean, I had... I had people working for me, so I had to lead to some extent, but I wasn't the, you know, the leader of the whole company. So um, I've learned my sort of more senior leadership skills since I've, been, since I've been back here. But if I were to work in the US again, I, I don't think I would change my core leadership principles. Mm -hmm. Kind of how you, how you go about things might be a bit different. It's just a bit, I mean, if, if you're in New York, it's just a bit faster, it's a bit punchier, it's a bit edgier, mm -hmm. and you have to adapt. And I, when, I, when I moved there all those years ago, I had to adapt um, to that pace, and I loved it, and I, you know, I, I adapted quite happily, but it was, it was quite different. And then there's things like feedback. I remember the first time somebody said to me in New York, after a meeting, can I give you some feedback? And I told them to, you know, mm -hmm. shove it. <laughs> and, um, and then I got the feedback anyway, um, and actually, it was quite useful feedback, and it was just it was constructive feedback about some stuff that had happened in the meeting, good and good and not so good. And that I just remember that moment because uh, when you're in New York, feedback is given all the time, and it's a good thing. And it's one of the things that I've tried to bring back with me um, to make it you know make it so that people value feedback, not just in a performance review, mm. but on the job. Does that surprise people when you do it then? No, I don't think so. Most people have got used to it by now. But I think um, as long as you're trying to do it constructively and in the right setting, I mean, you know, not in the middle of someone standing up doing their thing, but that you, you know, that you do it in a uh, clear, 
um, you know, fair mm-hmm. kind of way. Mm-hmm. And often it's good, by the way, because we Brits, we don't give good, we, we, just, we just get on with it. We don't stop often enough and go, that was really brilliant. No. Um, you should celebrate that. Um, we just don't, and we, we should do it more. Okay. Uh, quickly to, and I know you do an awful lot in this, and quickly talk about it in terms of, as a leader, where do you see your responsibility lies when it comes to talking about uh, trying to improve the diversity and inclusion uh, numbers that this industry certainly um, understands it and needs yeah. to fix. How, how do you intend to be a part of that? So I think um, this, it, you know, this is an ongoing challenge for all of us and one that we all, I think we've all embraced. I think this industry has come on leaps and bounds in the last couple of years in terms of being open about this kind of stuff being you know some of it's been forced upon us in terms of having to declare um, data around uh, pay and everything which is a good thing and a welcome thing but also I think we've genuinely kind of I I, sp- I can't speak for the whole industry but, but based on the people I interact with we seem to have genuinely um, really embraced what we need to do and I think some of the solutions to that are kind of in the here and now and some of them are much much longer term so in the here and now you know as you make decisions as to who you put into certain certain positions um you know that can make a difference so my my very firm policy um is that you should just always be fair and if you're fair you will get the right person in the job Mm -hmm. and if you if you then look back you should find that you've got good balance at least gender wise Mm -hmm. and this is i've done this a lot over the years um, in my previous job and here um, so just being a bit more conscious about how you make those decisions and if I look at the leadership lineup here at Publicis Group we've got a very healthy dose um, it depends where you draw the line on terms of, in terms of seniority but we've got a very healthy dose of female leaders so if you start with media with Sue Frogley Nat Cummins, Nadine Young Lindsay Taylor, Danny Basil you've got Emma De La Fosse creatively you've got Kate Stanners, you've got Chaka um, you've got Joe Coombs, you know, we've got, we've got a well-represented uh, uh, female base in the senior leadership mm-hmm. level here, so that's good. But then we're also trying to do things um, which will have a longer-term impact, because I think one of the reasons we find ourselves in this situation is there's more fundamental things that we need to change um, so that uh, it's easier for, in this case, women to uh, continue to progress at the same pace or at least the same pace as men, and one of those is around how we work. So um, earlier this year we launched flexible working across the group, um, and it genuinely is flexible working, um, so people can start later, they can finish earlier, they can work from home, they can... Basically, one of the core principles of of this programme is that you trust people Mm -hmm. to still get the job done and to still be a good team member if they're part of a team. Um, But what that should do it should help people to still have, um, you know, a lot of women um, take some time off or sort of, uh, uh, you know, when, when they have children and um, it can be harder for them to, you know, kind of make that all work from a balanced perspective. If you've got flexible working, mm-hmm. it should be much easier to make career and, and home life work. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that in the long run, when that you know, in years to come, when we look back at, oh, it changed, and what was one of the drivers of that, that flexible working will be one of them. And then we've got all the groups um, 
that you would hope a group like us would have around, uh, we've got Viva Women, which is there to ha help our, our, our women um, progress. We've got uh, Egalite, which is our LGTP uh, group. And we are just about to launch our BAME uh, efforts. Right. So bringing that community together and putting, putting BAME at the center, as well as uh, all the other things that we're doing, of what we're trying to do around uh, better diversity. Sounds like an awful lot happening all at once. Yeah, you kind of have to because mm. it's one thing isn't going to isn't going to fix it. This mm. is a, we're talking about fundamentally changing the way we do this. So mm. um, yeah, you've got to have you've got to have lots of irons in the fire. Mm. And is it something you feel needs to be forced through? That we actually have to make a conscious effort to do this. Um, I don't think it needs to be forced so much. I think a few years ago it was we were more in kind of forced through kind of mode. But I mm. think, like I said at the beginning, I think generally people in this industry, the penny has dropped and um, people have good intentions. It's just mm -hmm. translating those good intentions into actual change. Okay. So to come back to your leadership then, what would be um, the leadership lesson that you would advise listeners to practice most? So my best lesson ever came from um, when I first became a CEO in 2008, I had a coach, which was great because I didn't know how to be a CEO, so he was, he was incredibly helpful to me. And in one of our first sessions, he said to me, tell me what you're really good at. And so I came back very quickly with, I am decisive. I make decisions when others don't. When others are faffing around, I make the decisions and I get on with it. Right. And he said, um, he said, so you think that's a strength, do you? And I was a little shocked and I said, yes, of course I do. Decision making is a strength. And he said, how many times do you think you might have made a different decision if you'd maybe taken a little bit longer to think about it? And I said, well, I'm sure I would, you know, I don't know. Probably would have been, you know, still made the same decision. Mm -hmm. And he said, okay, do me a favor between this session and the next one next month. Every time you make a decision, every time there's a decision to be made that, that doesn't have to be made there and then, some decisions you need to make on the spot and that's it. But any decision that you need to make that doesn't need to be made there and then, sleep on it and then force yourself to think back to what you would have what did you make a different decision to that which you would have made on the spot and it is shocking how many times you you you, you literally make a different decision right. I would say half the time so the biggest learning I've had one of the biggest learnings I've had is to uh, sleep on it if you can it doesn't mean go slow or mm -hmm. don't get things done quickly it just means Give yourself the opportunity to make a better considered or informed decision mm -hmm. um, that you've then got to live with and follow through um, once you've made it. Right. How, how has that changed your management style then? Does that well, mean it's just, you've gone a bit slower? And... It's not about being slower, it's about being more considered. Right. Um, and, and um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big ticker off of things to do, you know, yeah. to-do list, tick, you know, tick everything off and, you know, you feel good. Um, sometimes you need to just have a sort of holding list where yes it's to do but you're going to take it off tomorrow mm -hmm. because you need to give some thought to whether to make decision A or decision B or decision C mm -hmm. so I think it just made, it's made me a more balanced um, slightly more thoughtful thoughtful in a sort of considered kind of way Okay, and so that makes me think about mentoring what do you think when it comes to mentoring have you got a mentor or are you a mentor is that something you would advise everyone should be involved in? Well, I think mentoring is uh, is a really important part of uh, learning 
uh, at work and in life. So I don't have an official mentor, mm-hmm. um, but I've got lots of people I respect and regard and can ask for advice and mm-hmm. tips and you know help me work things through. Um, in terms of me mentoring others, yes, I've mentored many, 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 many people. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's people within the business, whether it's people I might have worked with before, mm-hmm. people I've met along the way. So I'm doing some stuff with the Marketing Academy right now, with the mentoring around that. Um, yeah, I've picked up quite a few along the way. Mm. Yeah. What do you hope that they've learned from you? Um, the main thing, I think, when you're mentoring is it's not really about you teaching them stuff mm. or telling them how things should be done. Mm. It's about getting them to feel confident enough to actually to work things out for themselves um, and to trust their judgment um, and to feel sort of um, clear enough and strong enough to um, to be able to do to do the right thing right. and final question then you may have already answered this but I'll ask it anyway what is the one leadership lesson you wish you'd learned earlier in your career so um, this one is a sort of bit of a general one, but basically, uh, many years ago, I was um, lucky enough to be put on the uh, inaugural uh, X Factor course, which was run by Charlotte Beers at WPP. And what it was was there were about ten of us, I think, ten women from across the organisation, who were put on this course, which was um, uh, for me it was a couple of uh, sets of two or three days, quite intense. You go in this into this session with Charlotte, and everybody has to really, really open up about their themselves, their past, their, you know what they're like, their leadership style, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's quite you know you really have to sort of spill the beans. Mm. And Charlotte helps you kind of work through kind of where you're at and where where you want to be as a leader. And at the very end, she um, she does a one-on-one with you and gives you really quite direct feedback on how um, you know what she thinks you need to do and so the first sort of at the end of the first phase you end up with an image of what you are right now and I was a street fighter so it was literally that was my that was my picture of my kind of leadership stuff which you know for for about that I'm kind of okay with that what do you mean street fighter as in you know you you have to fight you have to Uh sort of street fight to win in this business and you know um, whatever it takes kind of thing and so I had, I was a street fighter and I went into the room with her and she, try and picture this in a, or try and hear this in a southern drawl. And she said, honey, uh, no, she said, darling, you have all the qualities that are required to be a great leader. You just need to learn to move like honey. And that might sound a bit sort of glib or a bit odd, but I knew exactly what she meant. So I'm this street fighty kind of slightly... I'll do anything, get out of my way, I need to win this pitch or I need to make this client happy, like I'll scrap my way to it um, uh, if I have to, which served me very well. Mm. But as I came into more CEO-like leadership mm. positions, you do need to smooth the edges off right. and not change yourself because it's all about being authentic, but just to move a little bit more, um, uh, bit more like honey. Like she said, there's no better way of putting it, just to be a little less street fighty. Even though I'll always be a street fighter in my in, inside. Yeah. It's kind of it's how you present that. And it was some of the best advice I've ever had. How did you go about doing that though? It's a, it's just being conscious right. of, you know, if I've you know, in whatever situation you might naturally want to be a bit feisty. Right. 
and you sort of go, mm, maybe I need to handle this differently. And again, like anything, you start, you, you start these things consciously and you sort of practice and you learn and then it just starts to be more your natural, authentic sort of way. There's a maturity to it as well, right? So, yeah. But I now have a whole new impression of you, <laughs> and I now know to keep right out your way then, especially in any sort of bad mood. Definitely avoid you then. No, 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 I don't do bad moods. <laughs> I can't do bad moods in this industry. Yeah. Um, well, thank you very much for that, Ned. That's been fascinating. Talk to you.